Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller with Media Mavens podcast. We're here with Marjorie Day, my co-host. Hey, Marjorie. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Good. It's always funny when I'm I speak up the intro. Who's, I'm happy to be here. Somebody else happy to be on the podcast? Carrie was very happy to be here. I don't know how she turned on. <laughs> you know what? I decided we are going to, we, I'm super excited. We have Susanna Barla, CEO of IDRC here. And we have Suri as our fourth guest on the podcast. Whoever <laughs> always <podcast>. listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So we are so good about not filtering so much hilarious, stupid stuff. Thank you, Margie, for bringing Siri with you to the podcast today. She came on her own. <laughs> it's, it's all about technology, all out of our control, plausibility. Susanna, I'm so glad you were able to call in from Barcelona, and I'm super happy you're drinking red wine. But I love, I, I love that you're on the show with us. And oh my god, we're just chatting prior. But let's, I seriously, wine and Siri aside. I love that you guys are using Bitcoin to make a difference because when like when we chatted and met, it was all about NFT conversations and it's such a messy industry. But people that are actually now reshuffling the deck using Bitcoin for humanitarian efforts, you said climate control and doing something good in the world. I just love the narrative on that. So let's let's talk a little bit about what you're doing because I know you're in Barcelona right now, but you guys are using at IDRC Bitcoin more than just a financial play, you're actually working with countries and states or communities to make a difference on their blockchain with sustainability issues? Yeah. So basically, like why I got so obsessed with Bitcoin, and I guess some people start to label me a Bitcoin maxi, and I don't like labels, but I'm more like a Bitcoin realist because I've been a climate tech and a climate investor, and I'm obsessed with climate change as it's a big, it's a big thing to solve. I understood by investing in ag tech, food tech, regenerative ag, you name it, that ultimately we need to solve a more underlying issue is like how we transact value. I call it like a plaster philosophy. If you investing in only the, the surface problems and you're not fixing the root of the problem, like our monetary system and ultimately how we transact value, we can change anything. And of course, that's when I, I looked into Bitcoin as an alternative way of transacting value. And I got behind the ethos because it's more than a blockchain. It's more than a cryptocurrency. It's a way of being. And, and Satoshi, they, she, he, they, them in, invented this as a direct response to 2008's financial crisis. So all the people involved ever since, they're truly wanting to create just a better world as, as a, it's a beautiful, idealistic narrative that a top of technology is built on and is also pretty beautiful because it's um, very simple. And I, I think mastery comes in like Steve Jobs style, like mastery is when you can solve complex problems with simple solutions. And and I think that everyone looks at Bitcoin nowadays as a store of value, but if we are able to bring innovation and building applications on top of Bitcoin, it becomes, we move the store of value to utility perspective. And that's what we're innovating on, how we can actually transact on a day-to-day basis and use it like you and I shop, or I'm sending your grandmother to Kenya 
instantly money and I don't need a central bank and Visa, MasterCard and all these third-party players. I think it's amazing. Let me, <laughs> and Let me ask you a question yeah. because, I mean, you know, aside of the financial, because, you know, like, you know, we've talked, we have a client they're working with down in Peru and Argentina who's using Bitcoin as a secondary means of revenues when fiat's not available. But the process of creating Bitcoin, I know it's extremely energy intensive. And I know there's some people are saying it's setting back our efforts to address climate change, but I know people are starting to use it to handle climate change. But then you look at, you know, they're saying, I guess we have uh, beyond a 2% Celsius that's pushing global warming behind that, that the mining really. China is generating just tremendous amounts of power that's killing the environment. I know it's a little bit of a controversial subject right now, but I want to be able to kind of pivot because you guys are using Bitcoin yeah, to help climate so, control, but that sounds like it's kind of... It's oxymoron, like it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a contradiction, I know. And when I say this to people like, oh, I'm climate conscious, we, you know, we own a climate, climate conscious agency and ultimately investors in the climate tech space, like, oh, how can you be, think about Bitcoin as a, as a fundamental tool to solve indirectly? First of all, there's a misconception and narrative, like how bad Bitcoin is for, for the planet. Like I tell you a very simple example of like in the United States, not in Europe, but in the States, people love using dryers. Like you wash your clothes and you dry clothes. In Europe, it's not so much adopted. But in the US, like households use more energy just using dryers than the entire globe's Bitcoin mining. So that's the, the if you could start to comparing how bad things are, Hey, it's not that bad. The most closest statistics you can find, I guess, is Cambridge University is like measuring energy consumption, Bitcoin mining. But also uh, last year, Square Crypto, now called Blocking, did a really good white paper with ARK Invest about Bitcoin mining actually accelerates the fastest space, renewable energy adoption. And it's true. Like most amount of the Bitcoin mining comes from renewable energy and actually that's the most growing and fast-pacing industry on the planet that adopted renewables and as opposed to anything else. So in our company, we are creating a holistic ecosystem of partnering up with green Bitcoin miners and looking at from the mining perspective, how, how we mine and what type of energy we're using. If, our hope is that if we're creating this holistic view of conducting business with strong ESG principles, then we can cultivate other companies, not only Web3 or in the metaverse, as people love using this narrative to follow this path, because it's not that difficult to become climate conscious. And for your wallet and your investments and your investor's wallet, is, is, it's actually creating a positive ROI. And so ROI for us is also environmental and social, and it's really strongly ESG driven. That's the answer, full spectrum. <laughs> So I used to be in finance for a little bit of my life, and I dealt with a lot of the conversion of the financial markets using mobile, where people didn't feel like mobile was safe. So obviously that has changed through the years. So talk to us a little bit about how Bitcoin actually is safe, because people have talked about how it's been stolen or how it's been you know, taken from them or misused, et cetera. But it's actually probably one of the safer currencies out there. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Before I became an entrepreneur, before I started to invest and advise and build companies, I used to work in high-end fashion. So like premium high-end fashion brands. And I always make this comparison, comparing Bitcoin to Hermes or Louis Vuitton from the security standpoint, because I think 
since invention, like since 2008, Bitcoin network uh, being down once, I think. And like all the other chains like Solana, and especially proof of stake has, is, as opposed to proof of work, they have like really serious vulnerability issues. And imagine if you're Louis Vuitton or Hermes launching your NFT collection on these blockchains and whoops, not your just wallet is down or <laughs> your, your NFTs are down, but the blockchain is down. And you don't know that these blockchains, like there's so many out there nowadays, especially ever more growing. So in proof of stake, they're going to be around three years later, or am I building my entire brand on something and art and collectibles or store of value on something that it's may not exist. And I'm pretty sure Bitcoin is going to be around maybe even beyond us as humanity, which is crazy to think about. And I start to think about it, like, especially now dealing with like this amazing culture and museums. And we have this discussion with here in Barcelona, with institution thinking about how they store their culture. And maybe the best way to store culture for a thousand years from now is being on chain. And what is the most secure chain out there is Bitcoin. So we can store our culture literally by being on the Bitcoin blockchain, which is, again, a very idealistic and beautiful way of thinking about this. So yeah, Bitcoin is the most secure blockchain. Yeah, I, I know they're Bitcoin. saying the higher the price and you know, the more miners are competing, which is where the electricity is, the, they need more energy to do. And I think that's where the controversy comes in of what I've read of. And with the, you know, with clients as well, we're producing more Bitcoin. We're going through all this, but we're trying to save world problems, but we're also burning up more fuel and we're also depleting it. So I feel like there's really no good answer for that right now. Yeah, there is. There is. There is actually like I met this computer scientist through Berkeley Skydeck and we started to work together who built the first smart contracts on first layer Bitcoin that everyone thought it's impossible because Vitalik Buterin literally invented Ethereum with his folks and invented a new other blockchain. And then that allowed all these other applications to be built on top. And his name is Clement Slay, the computer scientist. And literally, he spent four years of his life like cracking this code, like how we can actually build an application on first layer Bitcoin, but making it incredibly energy efficient. So transactions are sent there is no gas space, for instance, if you're minting on an NFT on Bitcoin, just for a cent. And if you're if you're the mining pool and you know the demand is gonna be high, and there's happens a lot in the Ethereum NFT spaces, like failing failing fees, failing gas fees. Most amount of the open seas actually consists of failing fees, which is like ultimately scam. If you ask me, <laughs> if you go to a store in Target and you want to pay for your pants. And but the pants are not available because it's ten dollars more expensive. You will never see your dollar again. But that's the current state of the NFT space. If you think about it, that should be illegal, right? If you're in an actual real store, and we thought about this, and so on Bitcoin as opposed to like other cryptocurrencies, like you get instantly get refunded. So if your minting is not going through, there is no such thing as high gas fees, but it's bringing clarity and transparency into this very, I call it mudgy and sort of like a swampy environment that I think it's scary for most users, like average users who are even fashion fashion buyers like Prada, Givenchy, they're launching these NFT collections on ultimately Walmart's marketplace next to a zombie cat. They shouldn't be doing this. So we need to invent a more secure, more transparent, more high-end version of technology that allows 
Prada users too. I'm buying a Prada bag, virtual version, but it's, I know it's safe, it's secure, and no one's going to... Well, I think it's because there's no, so much noise out there and there's no real leadership. And if we're talking about the NFT market, an average one NFT generates over 440 pounds of carbon. So that's the equivalent of almost five to 600 miles in a gas-powered car. Think about emissions is 10 times higher. So there's got to be a better way if we're going to talk about using this for good, we are creating a bigger footprint and a bigger issue out there when it comes to that. But so I'm not, you know, so we have the NFT, we have the Bitcoin. So I feel like, yes, it's great. It's amazing. This is a web three to our futures, but we've got to look back and get some clarity. What exactly are we doing with it? Is there an end game? How do we use it? Because we are just creating more global warming issues because of people I think are just, it's like the wild, wild west. They're chasing down free money. Was it Beeple? Yeah. Sold his first one for 70 million or over 70 million. Yeah. So everybody's like, oh my it's God, annoying. land grab. I'm going to go do a selfie or of a llama or a cat. I'm turning and see if I can make Or money. a monkey. Or a, a monkey. monkey. It's just like this yeah, big yeah. land grab of fast cash. To, and I think this perfect storm is COVID coming out of COVID into this chaotic velocity of NFTs and Bitcoin. People find an easy place to not go back to work. This is our retire, not have to work. We have all this money we can make. But I feel like hmm, there's also a lot of on the others, like you talked about, the more we chase this, the more damage we make. And now a lot of the brands and all the articles we're reading, they're slowing it down. They're like, wait, there has to be a there there. There's no there there. So they're now starting to slow down their builds or NFT launches to make sure strategically it's sound it's yeah. and they're there. And I know Gucci, I love Gucci. Let's just talk about Gucci for a minute. It's, you know, talk about the fashion brands. They just don't have their whole first huge Gucci. It's like, it's not on Walmart or Target. It is Gucci. Yeah. They've secured. But then they just also want to step further and launch the Gucci Gaming Academy for esports. So like there are people who are really slowing it down and doing something for the best of the their business the business the virtual the whole vision of where they're going and to help save humanity or global warming do whatever they need to on a good level but i feel like there's nobody gucci's the only one i've read about who actually i could stand behind who is thinking about global currency global warming consumers nfts are the only ones i've read that are taking in the whole picture before they make that next step nobody else is really thinking this whole thing through. That was such a long-winded, tripped-over comment. But I know you have fashion background. I mean, are you seeing a lot of these companies that are just trying to do the land grabs and there's no thought through on strategy? 100% actually. Like, and I know Gucci's like an NFT strategist guy. I mean, we met them in, in London in January. And then really, like, I think I think there's a huge disconnect between uh, technologists and, and Silicon Valley bros, I call them, like ultimately all the founders in Web3, then the end users, like the fashion houses, especially not the CMO. It's not because many of these, like, let's stick with fashion. They use Web3 and NFTs as like their marketing angle, but they haven't really thought about on the business angle, like how we can actually increase our revenues, how we can actually integrate this in our business model. Can we actually make our own NFT platforms? And that's what I really really wanted to look into B2B. No one's doing B2B and I'm always doing things that other people don't think about. It's like how we can actually directly solve solutions for fashion houses to build their own NFT platforms and really think through with the brands how you can monetize this technology 
in a very pragmatic, tangible way that it's not your flashy art net or days and confused or whatever magazines, like one pager PR article story that you did something in whatever launch on OpenSea, but you're actually doing something for the core of your business. You're moving into another revenue streams and how do you can monetize this novel technology? And I think they're very, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, super few brands because there is disconnect between fashion brands, technology. How do you actually connect the dots and, and monetize this in, in, a, in a meaningful way for like long-term these brands have like five, 10 years business plans and marketing plans, like how we can actually do something that is truly transformational and not just like a following the trends and hot buzz because it's going to die out and fade and it's going to be a bubble is going to burst. And hopefully it does because there's so much garbage. That's what I was just pulling out my hair. Like, how is this possible? Like how many so bad art, like there's beautiful art in the world. And, and those artists not even having the, ability to able to get involved in this economy because of like there's a huge barrier because of the high gas fees like minting it makes like people in africa or india or (laughs) any of these other countries like those folks don't have like thousands of dollars to just spend on playing with nft games and why would they even do it what's the end goal you need to we need to create a, a bridge between finding solution for the creator economy and monetizing technology that is, as you said, like consciously from the mining perspective is conscious for the planet. And we're not not following the path and trends of some zombie cats and monkeys and chipmunks because that's (laughs) Wait, I know there's, I know the crazy cats, cool cats. I know we have board apes. Uh, There's now like neurotic chipmunk nfts out there (laughs) yeah it's every i've seen everything really i just (laughs) you know i got to the stage of like with dogecoin it became a joke ultimately and it is computer science way it's not that much of a joke it's like big block bitcoin but i'm not going on a path of like the block size debate but it could be good but it's still a joke at the end of the day it's not not real there's a lot because i know some phenomenal artists and their stuff is what should be out on the chain. I mean, I have an artist's artwork in my house and I've seen this other stuff is phenomenal. It's not the little monkeys. It's not the chipmunks or the cats. Yeah. Actual art, his stuff's amazing. But you're right. I think where we're going and how things have been skewed, it is leaving out a tremendous market that should be doing NFTs when every person who's 18, 19, 20 has a great selfie or they're just tech savvy because they're younger. They're minting their stuff right and left making money. I was in New York like two, three weeks ago at a Wall Street Journal conference. And I actually literally was so happy. I spent like 15, 20 minutes talking to the CEO at Diane Van Furtzenberg. She was there speaking on stage. I met her CEO and we were chatting about Web3 and they're actually doing an entire Web3 NFT, I mean, the whole metaverse. And so I actually ended up chatting with them and chatting with their CTO person I've been talking to. They're not going to pull the trigger so quickly. There's so much hype and so much madness out there. They are literally taking their time. It could be another year. It could be a lot longer, but they'd rather come out later the right way because she's very about water preservation. She's very about her designs, but all about the people and being happy and looking good. She's not a one of those rash CEOs or designers who just wants to jump on the bandwagon. And so they're slowing their whole rollout. 
That's amazing. They what, what is this company? She's a big fashion designer, Dan von Furtzenberg. She oh, she actually. Of course, she's, she's a legend. <laughs> I have her book. I actually, she signed a book. She wrote a book. She signed my book. So when I was waiting, I was talking to her tech people. But that's, to me, that's sustainability. When you're yeah, for sure. and slowly figure out how, where is that end game? But she's a female leader. You got it. And I always make this comparison that I'm surrounded by mostly men throughout my career, whether it's like climate tech or venture capital or blockchain nowadays, how many female CEOs I meet in blockchain, one in thousand. But actually, Bitcoin is amazingly feminine in energy. I always say feminine because if you think about it, like it's slow, patient, decentralized, open source, collaborative, all these these traits, I would say that you would say, oh, this is so feminine. And all these bros are into it. And I'm like, guys, you're literally building on the revolution of feminine energy. And so we're changing the world by slow thinking and like being like slow and steady wins the race. I always say this. And Diane is, she's a legend. She's completely right. Like, you know, like all these, we're just at the stage of blockchain technology. Like if the internet was in 1995, and of course it was a burst and a bubble and all these shit shows disappeared and some companies stayed who really thought and survived and they had a strategy and they they had a long-term game. It's all about a long-term vision and the capitalistic, I don't want to go down on this path, but like a lot of technology companies. And I read this really cool article today about on, I think, a business insider. Like many of these tech guys are going down heavily, like massive high tech companies because it's not sustainable. They've been burning cash. If it was my, I don't know, I'm burning paper, you know, like on written love letters, they're just wasting trillions of dollars. And so this business model that we've been seeing in Web3 and Web one, it's going down. And I think it's like this new fresh air. What does it look like if you actually use technology, taking into long-term thinking, taking in perspective into inclusivity, there's more females decision-making positions and power. What does it look like if you're taking humanity and, and the planet into perspective? So I think it's just a beautiful period of in lifetime that we can actually make breakthroughs, not just for shareholders, but for ourselves as like, how to use technology that benefits everyone. And that's why I'm so passionate about Bitcoin because that's truly the only one blockchain that is really decentralized and doesn't have a center body. It's not benefiting one shareholder or another. It's, it's for us. It was invented for us. And um, yeah, <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's like, yeah, a new way of just even questioning what really value is. And I think in COVID, during COVID, a lot of people realize living with families, with my family, not in big cities, is more valuable than make ends meet and living in the middle of San Francisco. And, and what is really, truly valuable, I think people realize it's communities. And that's why the buzzword in Web3 became overused. Oh, community. Ultimately, I think it's driven from this desire that we realize that it's truly us that matters not like my 20k salaries a month in silicon valley because then what <laughs> what do i and what is my end game and what is our end game here and and it really is just spending time with people who we love and and maybe care about each other and not just one patriarchal ego egoistic way of being and it's again yin energy so I hope femininity is on a rise uh, with Bitcoin. 
which is sounds like a, a contradiction, but it's not. If you start to unpack it, it's all about values, I think, and putting those values in the forefront and advocating those values. And I hopefully there's more transparency and more authenticity comes along and then more leadership will come along too. Yeah. I think what's so interesting too, when you talk about this energy that it's created, I think beyond the feminine energy, like between COVID and technology, we've also created this global energy. And I love that you're taking this from Spain because both Sarah and I have done a lot of international work. And I think what COVID taught us is it is one big world and it's easy to communicate where before they're like, oh, there's time differences and there's all this. It's like, no, this, this Bitcoin with COVID creates this really, truly global community. So maybe talk about some of the things you're doing internationally with Bitcoin and NFTs and the metaverse. Yeah. So currently, currently I'm, I'm in Europe for well, until I, I'm based in LA, but I'm currently in Europe because we're building the first DAO on Bitcoin as well. And we're realizing uh, physical real estate. So we're going to own uh, art residency, not just creating Discord and whatever metaverse communities, but how we actually create real utility and using the word as real utility, not just painting, spray painting. And that's a utility <laughs> in the metaverse. I'm giving access to an actual physical place and and people can see beautiful art and join an actual analog community. That's what I'm interested in. And so it's really it's just connecting what you, you just mentioned. I think there's beauty in decentralization. And I always say like I'm decentralized like Bitcoin because connecting the dots, like for instance, I, yesterday, I, his founder is one of my favorite architects. And I was like one of my dreams coming true. Like I was sitting in a Mies van der Rohe pavilion in Barcelona with like cultural leaders. I was sitting next to the Dutch government leader and we talk about how we use Web3 and like in, in a really meaningful way, how we preserve culture and what does it look like if you're connecting it, the Museum of the Future in Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. And maybe we should build this on Bitcoin because it's the most safer store of value. And so this is magic. And so when I'm thinking about it, sometimes that I always thought of like William Gibson is a really cool person and wrote the science fiction novels. And I love this quote, but he said, the future is already here, but it's not even redistributed. We are in the future and we're actually creating this more egalitarian, super global network of change makers. And how do we actually monetize this in a, in a really meaningful way, in a culturally advanced way? And yeah, I just love this. Like it, I think COVID really accelerated this because people realize it's remote. Like I don't need to actually go to New York and see you and fly. And this all flying around started, unfortunately, again, because I was in Davos, all these hypocrites. However, less hypocrites this year came and less billionaires. So I was like, okay, some and there's some shamans came and they start to preach about psychedelics and coming in rising. I thought if I'm in the wrong place, but it's only due to the fact though remote like everyone is global and it's beautiful and um, yeah but i think that that's kind of how like we came about this whole web3 globally why i think people are like yes using bitcoin using the block for nfts for content that that's so american it's so because we're here in la where the content entertainment comes from but when you look at a global playing field like level it out we all went through covid together some worse than other parts of the world and you know, we're all on Zoom talking. There's people are reaching out, whether it's 
mental, emotional, where there's business, it's easier. They, they feel, I think it's less, <laughs> I would say, it's a less hostile environment being on Zoom than walking into a boardroom and everything. Like, <laughs> you know, who's what? I mean, I, I used to think, does people are going to be better coming off of COVID? Now I'm realizing this past six months, they're bigger assholes just because <laughs> they're scrambling to make money to make losses up. They mm-hmm. want to get back out there. They're caring less about other people. I mean, from a business standpoint, I'm seeing a lot more flakiness and shrewd deals, less respect for the acumen of business and um, just how it's supposed to be in relationships. I don't know if it's just because people are desperate to make money because they've been hunkered down. They need to get out there, be the first one. So they're kind of like the whole bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I'm an expert, but like you're an expert in eight other things two years ago, an expert during COVID. So I just feel like there's a lot more of that scamminess out there than ever before because people are saying, oh, I'm an expert in NFTs, Bitcoin, crypto, but I was an expert in AI and VR and esports and gaming. And it's just whatever the next big hit is. But if you you strip away all the scamminess, (laughs) kind of think of it as like a pond. You scrape off the pond scum. There's nothing but like fresh fish and koi fish and water. I feel like there's leaders around the world that see the community aspect of it, that see how can they just say, hey, yes, this is amazing. It's technology driven. It's innovative. It is community based. How do we elevate it, escalate it to not just help myself, you know, to help, hey, I got this great NFT behind me on a wall, Margie, Susanna. That's, yes, my tribe is my tribe, but my community yeah, yeah. is how am I making it better for them for us to sustain, to thrive and survive off what I'm doing, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's climate control, you know, a second form of currency, whether it's giving them a whole virtual world to, like you said, shop and be in, to be part of a DAO, something that's bigger than all of us together. And I just think there's so much of that that I love. It's just trying to figure out the clarity on all of this, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, that's what it is. Like, it's bring like clarity and, and ultimately some sort of this nostalgia that this whole cryptocurrencies and blockchain started and like going back to the roots like it was a direct response to the financial crisis like creating another way of transacting value and there's a lot of noise and bullshit and it's like how do you strip down the noise and how do you find the path to the novelty of the ethos and novelty of the technology and how do you find these builders in the space and there's so many beautiful open source projects especially in the bitcoin community that it's it's truly is a family it's a tribe and so I agree with you. Like COVID is like a, every, everything has like minuses and pluses, but I think it's truly is about our mental health. Like the state of the mental health of people is declining and it is something that should be addressed. And hopefully maybe through meaningful companies and meaningful people start to open up the Pandora box of like, I think the climate crisis is just the end result of our own crisis of like, how do we treat ourselves well if you don't treat yourself right why should you treat the planet right or dolphins or the trees and so it all goes back to your thing like oh you know people become a bit more crazier of course like there's a true mental health crisis and how we can actually help each other and it starts with the conversation and openness and maybe through conversations like this or any other conversation that people like actually genuinely being honest and, and communicate, hopefully. Oh my God. It was so good talking to you. We are running out of time, Susanna. I feel like this is such a bigger conversation ongoing, but for now, 
how do how can people find you if they want to talk to you? <laughs> yeah, like I'm a not a huge fan of link, LinkedIn. I just became a LinkedIn person like recently. But no, emails works. I'm on Instagram, I guess. I'm on Twitter, private. I'm a private person. I'm an introvert. So, but people can find me on my actual name. <laughs> Wait, hey, where's the best place to send them or, or an email or a website? What's a good place for them? Yeah. So like, I, I think the best place really is like we own a venture studio and an interdisciplinary creative agency. And so on like anti in American US, anti.is stands for Iceland because I love Iceland. No, it, people can find me. There's the contact that just, we have an office in LA and like people can find me on my name. I guess I read DMs to you on Twitter, not on LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I don't know. People can find me for sure. Yeah. I love talking to other builders and entrepreneurs and people want to create a fairer kind or a better world. I'm always open to any conversation. Perfect. It was so good having you on. Definitely keep us posted as you move through and you got to love NFTs you're launching through the whole yeah. Bitcoin. Definitely keep us posted on that. But until then, this is Sarah Miller and Marjorie DeHay with Media Maven's podcast. Susanna, so good having you on from Spain. Thank you for calling in. It's time for red wine. It's time for Rioja. It's time for Rioja. <laughs> <laughs> so good having you. So until then, we'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.